Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Anxiety Wide Podcast. I am your host, Corey. I'm thankful you guys are here once again on episode five, y'all. Uh, last week, we had our first guest on the podcast, David Swedberg. He is a youth pastor. He is a CrossFitter. He is one of my dudes. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I was on his podcast a little while back and uh, had him back on to talk about anxiety and religion and how it can test your faith. I told a little bit about my story about how I actually lost my faith and came back around to find it once again. And it's, it had some good resources that David talked about, a few books. Um, and then we talked about community. And if you're in the CrossFit community, um, one of the base, biggest things is the support of the people in your box. And so it's uh, something I'm going to talk a little bit more on today because we have toxic relationships. Here we go! Alrighty. So today we had uh, three questions that were very similar. Um, talking about toxic relationships in your life. If you're someone that has anxiety, they can kind of add fuel to the fire, really crank you up and really uh, push you over the edge on uh, the border to a panic attack. And so um, I'm going to talk about a few things. I'm going to talk about finding a community like ours in, in CrossFit that uh, is a shoulder to lean on. People that lift weights to help lift you up. People that are just genuinely good people that are out there to help you succeed. And that's something that I'm I'm going to start to promote a little bit more and talk a little bit more about the CrossFit community because it's been instrumental in my own personal healing. And I think that it's good to express that and um, talk a little bit more about that just so you guys can have an idea of what's out there, um, both from a physical health but for me, it was bigger mental. It tests me every day, pushes me out of my comfort zone, and helped me build confidence when I needed confidence the most. So it's something that's very important to me, and it's something that I'm going to continue to share on the podcast here. Because what I'm finding out is that there's a community out there of people that are dealing with anxiety. There's people that are trying to help someone else with anxiety. I'm hearing more and more of these stories that there's people out there that are just like you. And so there is that community of support out there. It's just that the social aspect of anxiety is way different than a church or a gym, like a CrossFit gym. So it's out there. You just got to look for a little bit. And uh, I really would encourage you to try to find somewhere, somewhere that you can connect. Uh, you can build up confidence. And what I've found over and over again is that a CrossFit gym is a perfect place to do that. So, on to our first question. Uh, this person, I'm going to try to kind of summarize the question. It's a little bit longer question, but they have a family member that's toxic. And it really um, cranks up their anxiety around family events, around holidays. And so what they're asking is, what are some tips and tricks that you can use to help keep that anxiety in check around this person? And, uh, you know, the one thing that they said in there is that this year they're, they're planning to, um, be absent from the event that causes the most anxiety, which is great. Um, a few episodes back, I talked about boundaries and, and that's a great boundary to set up for yourself when you're dealing with family, with you're dealing with other people in your life that are causing you anxiety is set up those boundaries. Uh, for me, I was around, um, I actually dated a few people that, at the time when my anxiety was bad, they were, they're really bad for my anxiety. And I 
being someone that likes to help people, I was under the assumption that I could help this person, um, which was not helping myself out. And so I didn't set up that boundary. But for someone that's in your family, setting up those boundaries is great. One thing to keep in mind is that people in our lives, every single person in our life has a different perspective or different perception of who you are. They all have a different one. Like you're not the same person to your mom as you are to your dad. Even though you may think so, those two people see you differently than you see yourself. So what might be the case for this person is they may not have any idea that they're causing you anxiety. Now, your perception is that they should know that they're causing you anxiety. They should know what they're doing is wrong. They should know that they're hard to be around, but they probably don't. Just like sometimes our social awareness isn't great with what we say, what we do. We don't know if we offend people. We can't, you know, it's, they call that the illusion of transparency. Um, but in, in the other sense of the word, the illusion of transparency is where you think you understand what other people are thinking. Like, you know that, okay, that person is judging me with what I'm saying, or I know, like, especially for speaking in public, you think that you know what everybody else is thinking about you. And so then uh, you, you do all these nervous tics and stuff. But, but the fact of the matter is it's impossible to actually know. So one thing I would suggest, and this is probably not what you're going to want to hear, but have that come to Jesus moment where you have that conversation and tell the person that what they're doing to you. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? It stays the same. You're not out anything. Or they don't talk to you, which, hey, awesome. Then you're, you know, you don't have to go around those events. Now it's family. It's different. I get it. But it's important to take care of yourself first. And that may mean having some people in your family that cause you anxiety not be there very often. So with what you're doing this year around the event is great. You know, set up a time to go visit the family members that aren't con causing you anxiety. I'm sure there's people that you're going to miss this time around that um, you do want to spend time with. But let make sure and make the effort to set up a time outside of this event to spend time with those people that you really do care about and that you do want to see. So make that effort. Um, I think that it would be important too to let those people that you do care about know about the situation with this specific toxic person. And once again, you know, with the scavenger hunt, we want to pick up people, like I mentioned with David in the last episode. When you can bring people as a skill, it's going to be light years ahead of just regular skills. And they're going to be your biggest ally when you need to be absent from events. So bring people on board. It's, it's going to be a great um, asset for you to have. So one thing to keep in mind too is hurt people hurt people. So it's, it's hard to do when someone's causing you pain and causing you anxiety. But if you can reverse the mirror and think about what they may be going through, they may be hurting. Now, I don't know the specific situation or the specific acts that are causing you anxiety, um, but it's, it's a different perspective to take. It takes a long time to get to that point. But when people are being cranky or they're being judgmental or, you know, usually what we judge in other people are things about ourselves that we don't really like. Um, I know that that rears its ugly head on me at, from time to time. Um, but if you can turn the perspective around and saying, well, what's wrong with that person that they're acting like that towards me? It may help you decrease the power of your own anxiety because then you're not owning all of it. 
because then it puts it onto them that it's actually their actions, not necessarily mine. So think about it that way. I think it'd be good too to let yourself have the freedom to say your opinion doesn't matter in your head when they're talking to you. Say it in your head rather than like actually listening to them. It sounds kind of um, it's very small or shallow to do. But again, you want to take care of yourself first. You don't want to take care of this person that's causing you anxiety. Because really, you're never really going to know their intent. Even if you have the difficult conversation with them and talk about what they're doing to you, you're never really going to know their intent. And I think that sometimes we want that. We want to know, well, what do you really mean by that? But we're never going to get it. The thing is, we tend to get with, get upset with people when they're not the way that we want them to be rather than the way they are meant to be. And I want that to sink in. You know, when someone's causing you pain, we want them to change in order for us to be okay. But we have to let that go of how we want them to be and rather let them be how they're meant to be. Even if it doesn't line up with how we are as a person, that's how that person is, is in that moment. And anything we do cannot change that for them. We can only change ourselves. So kind of take that focus off of them and bring it back to yourself and think, what can I do to help myself right now? How can I help myself in this moment? Which sounds like you're doing that. You're getting away from the event to take care of yourself. And the more you can do that to take care of yourself, set up some boundaries, the better off you're going to be. And so I'll talk a little bit about toxic relationships here because the next two questions are like that. And I found three rules to, in helping dealing with toxic relationships. Um, one thing to note is when people show you that your, your feelings and you yourself aren't important to them, believe them the first time. What people show you, how they act towards you, how they treat you, believe them. Okay? Don't try to change them. Just believe them. Okay? If someone's mean to me, I'm going to believe that they're a mean person. What you show me, I'm going to reciprocate. Number two is don't talk yourself into unseeing what they show you. So you, you know, we want to justify why people are the way they are towards us, especially being someone like me that, that needs, um, acknowledgement that needs justification that needs, you know, encouragement. I have to work on myself to not try to unsee when people show me the ugly side of who they are. I like approval. I like people to like me. It's a very, it's a very big struggle for me personally. And so the third one, what you will allow is what will continue. If you're going to allow somebody to treat you like garbage, they're going to keep doing it. So set up a boundary and say, dude, I don't like that. Or the way you talk to me causes me anxiety. Please stop. Get forceful because it's going to do two things. It's going to make them extremely uncomfortable and think about what they say to you the next time around. And two, it's going to give you some confidence. And that's what this is about, is building confidence that you can overcome fears. And if one of your fears is confrontations with toxic people, doing those kind of conversations are going to build you up. So I think that's good for that one. Question two, toxic friendships. I feel like I spend more time helping this other person get through their life than they actually care about mine. They cause me anxiety. They cause me pain. How do I get around that? Um, and, and like the first one, friendships are a little bit easier because the family aspect isn't there friends should be there to lift you up they should be there to pull your head 
out from underwater. They should be there to lift you out of the trenches and they should be there for your best interest in mind. If they're not, believe them. Meaning, believe that they're not really your friend because that's what friends do. You shouldn't have to put a band-aid on their injuries. Hurt people, hurt people. Have a real talk, coming to Jesus talk with them. Because if they're really your friend, they're going to know that you're coming from a place of love and compassion and empathy and trying to fix the friendship. Because if they're not, then you're not going to want them in your life anyways. A real friend is going to take that in stride and be like, oh, okay. I guess I didn't realize I was doing that. I'm sorry. Someone that you don't want in your life is going to get upset. They're going to get defensive. Or it might take a little bit for them to come back around and be like, you know how you talked to me like a couple weeks ago that really meant a lot. I've done some self-reflection. I've worked on myself. It sucked, but it was exactly what I needed in that moment. And you're having that conversation with that person is going to be building confidence. And that's a lot of, that's going to be a common theme with all of these questions I'm talking about today is building your self-confidence in interactions with toxic people. The best thing I ever did was moving out of someone that caused me severe anxiety. I moved out of the house. I was just gone the next day. It was terrifying, but I did it. And I was like, skipped to my loo all the way down the street on the way to the, the place that I moved in. It was the best feeling once I actually got out and built that confidence. And it might've been like another piece of that scavenger hunt that picked me up and made me stronger. The next point for that one of friendships, what if they tell you that they themselves are going through something at the moment and they have been for a long time? How is that going to change your outlook for how they're treating you? You say, Hey, you know, the way you're talking to me and the way you do X, Y, or Z really caused me a lot of anxiety. And they say, yeah, I know I'm really struggling. What a great way to create a better bond and a friendship for you opening up and, and taking that brave step of opening up that door and saying, Hey, what you're doing is doing this to me. And they say, Hey, I'm doing this because, and I need you that, I mean, what a, what a cool way to bond. Now it's going to be ugly and it's going to be uncomfortable. And your bottom lip is probably going to be straight because you're, you're nervous and you might have a little rattle in your voice. Who cares? It doesn't have to be perfect. When I do speeches for work or I do speeches for a group, I don't care how it goes. I just care that I did it. I check it off. I don't have an open text box where I fill in and evaluate and overanalyze. I have a checkbox. I say, boom, I did it. And that's how it should go with a conversation with someone that's causing you anxiety. Just check the box off. If it doesn't work the first time around, do it again. And then if that doesn't work, do it again. If they're still around, they want to be your friend. Just do it again. And then finally, acknowledge that it's going to be an uncomfortable uh, conversation right when you start. Be like, okay, I, I want to talk about something. It's probably going to be kind of uncomfortable, but I'm doing it because I love you and I care about our friendship. Then fill in the blank with whatever it is you need to talk about them, but acknowledge it. Prepare them for the conversation so they're not blindsided. Because what that does is like you're opening the door for them to come into your space where you're sitting to have this conversation. This is going to be uncomfortable. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, 
So they, they're, they're not going to, if, if they're a true friend, they're not going to get defensive. They're going to be prepared to listen. And that's ultimately what you want is for them to listen from the standpoint of where you're coming is saying, Hey, this is going to be uncomfortable. And they're like opening their ears. Like, okay, what's going on? Someone that you don't want in your life is going to get defensive and mad and storm out. So then, you know, like there's an answer right there. That's the kind of friend they are. And so then you can kind of back off the care that you're going to give what that person actually says and does to you. You can back off how much you care if that's their reaction. So it's a good metric to have and it's a good way to look at it rather than saying, oh, they're pissed. I need to fix it. You're like, well, they're pissed because I gave them some honest feedback. I hope that helps with the friendship part. Next up is dating. This is the one that I know more about. This is more of a personal experience for me and it's person I'm dating is causing me anxiety because they dwell on negatives in life. I'm a happy-go-lucky person for the most part, but they seem to bring out my worry. How to approach fixing the situation is what I'm after. And for me, this was, I I think that the person I was with, we both were struggling. Um, She had mental health issues as well as I did. And it wasn't the best, (laughs) that's kind of an understatement, but it wasn't the best mix because I think hers was more Although manic depressive and mine was, you know, clinical anxiety. So some days were really, really good when she was up, but then when she was down, it was like spitting venom. It was like kerosene on the anxiety fire. But again, for me, I didn't ever look at what she was going through. Like standing on the other side of the fence and say, can this person I'm with, do they see what they are causing me? Which I never did that. I never looked at that perspective. Have I done what I can to express what I need to protect myself in these interactions? Have I expressed that to that person? They may not even know. Like I said in the beginning, each person that you're around has a different perception of who you are, but they also have a different perception of how they are compared to what you think of them. Like my daughter, my son, and my wife, all three of them have a different perception of who I am as a dad or as a husband. Just like each and every one of my friends see me in a different light. I need to think about that when I'm interacting with each one of those three in my house. I interact with my daughter differently than my son, than I differently with my wife. I mean, obviously, but I think about that in how I respond, how I act, my delivery, and when they're hurting or they're doing something that I might not approve of. I think about, okay, well, what are they going through right now? And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I'm, I'm not good at it. I'm still something I'm, it's a skill set I'm learning. But if I think about what are they going through right now, rather than saying, well, why are they being an a-hole to me right now? It's, it's far more constructive for you and for the person that you're interacting with. For someone that you're dating, especially if you live with them, you got to have that conversation because it's going to tell you if the, la- the relationship is going to last. You know, even if it's, For me, it was almost two and a half years down the road. And I finally just pulled the trigger because I didn't know how to fix it. And I think I talked a few episodes back as looking back at certain relationships that I've had to let go to pass. That was me. I just, I was like, I got to get out of here because I didn't know what to do. So simply talking about it, it's going to, it's going to give you a lot of answers on which direction that relationship is heading. Have that crucial conversation You know, if you don't, you're just prolonging your hurt and it really becomes torture, especially if you're someone that has panic attacks and this person is causing you panic attacks. Why stay in that space? I heard this too. uh, I don't remember where, but it says never 
threaten to leave if you truly love someone. Which I thought was pretty interesting. It's like a threat. Like, I'm going to leave. I mean, that's a whole other podcast for relationships and stuff. But, like, threatening to leave. I think it just, it's counterintuitive to what you actually want. Because once you open that window, it becomes a door that one of you eventually is going to walk out of. You know, it cracks into that fundamental foundation of a relationship, which is trust. And if you're someone with anxiety, trust is a precious commodity. You want to hold on to trust because you're not always going to trust people's intentions, especially if someone is causing you anxiety. You don't, you need to trust their intention in order for that anxiety in your life to lose power. So don't threaten that. But take care of yourself first. Eventually, your partner will take note of the change. Take note of the changes in you, and there's two things that will happen. They're going to join you on the upswing that you're having at the moment, or they'll manage their way out, like we say at work. You know, they're going to figure out that what you're doing and who you're becoming, which is ultimately your own biggest cheerleader, your own biggest ally, and they're going to manage their way out of the relationship, which is what you want. Because if they're not ready to meet you where you're at, the trust is not going to be there. They're not going to lift you up. They're not going to pull you out of the trenches. They're not going to lift you out of the water when you do fall back in. Because eventually you're going to fall back in. It might not be in the water very long, but you're going to want somebody to pull you back out if it's not yourself. Or if you're not ready to pull yourself out, you're going to need someone to stretch out their hand, which is what my wife does to me from time to time, which my kids do for me. And because I have that trust with them, I have had many, many conversations with my wife on what I need when I'm anxious. Now, it sucked. They were uncomfortable and I felt extremely exposed and vulnerable, but I had the conversation and checked off that checkbox and said, this is what I need at this time. I remember there was one time we were down at her, uh, my in-laws, and it was like eight in the morning on a Sunday. And I was extremely anxious for some reason. And I'm like, we got to go. And she was pissed. And I didn't know how to explain to her that I was like on the verge of another panic attack with, you know, not having one for a couple of years, but I was like, we get, we just got to go. And I couldn't express what I was feeling at the time. And I finally just, I, I had to tell her on the way home in the van versus in that situation, because it would have made my panicking worse. And so I had to just set up a boundary and say, I need to go. And, you know, even have that uncomfortable where she was pissed off. And I act, ended up explaining it to her. It made sense. And she just says, well, why didn't you tell me at the house? I'm like, I couldn't. Like, I, I wanted to, but I couldn't. And so even just saying, like, admitting your truth is going it, to, it brought us extremely close, which we keep getting closer as we talk about this type of thing. And it's just like, anything is like, you have to speak your truth in order to be the real you. And as I've been doing this podcast, you know, five episodes and, and three quick tips, it's just, I feel, I'm feeling more and more like myself just by, talking about it it sounds so simple but yet it's so hard when you're struggling so talk to the people in your life that are toxic you're going to either have them on board and you're going to mend that relationship or they're going to manage their way out which is the best thing i think we get so scared of losing people in our life that we don't take care of ourselves we try to fix them when the real fix that is needed is within ourselves so focus on yourself first and taking care of yourself is expressing to those people in your life that are causing you pain that they're causing you pain. You wouldn't just keep returning to putting your hand 
on a stovetop that is turned on in order and trying to turn it off. You're going to actually turn the dial and speaking to someone is turning the dial rather than trying to extinguish the flame with your hand. It's just going to keep burning you. So think of it that way. And the other side of that, the best thing that can come from having those kind of conversations. And let's say someone has managed their way out of your life, whether it's a family member, it's a friend, or it's that special someone in your life. There is a community, like I explained in the beginning, for you out there somewhere. I don't, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but there is. People that have started in our box here, they, they keep saying that. Like every person that has been our, a member spotlight has said about our community. And so like if you're looking for people to lift you up, there's communities out there, whether it's a church, whether it's a gym, whether it's a, a support group. There's so many out there. There's stuff online like healingwell.com has one for people with anxiety. So search it out. If you've had those difficult conversations, there's even people out there that can relate to those difficult conversations. You know, me being one of them. And so, and I think it's, it's important to forgive them no matter what happens with that conversation because they're human. They're fallible. They're, they're, they're struggling, I'm sure, just like you are. So forgive them. Forgiveness is going to be a great tool for you to move forward. And so forgive yourself, one, for not having that conversation. Two, forgive them for how they're acting and causing you anxiety. And three, have that conversation today. Don't wait. And I've, I've suggested this to, I'd say, five or six people over the years. And every single person that I've suggested that to that has taken the action, I've suggested it to more people. I should, I should clarify that. But there's like five to six people that have actually taken the step of having those conversations. And they were so thankful that they did it. And none of them had the same outcome. They're all different aspects of the conversation. But each and every one of them did not say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Every single one of them felt empowered. They felt more confident. They felt more brave. And so we know bravery is not the absence of fear. It's doing things in spite of fear. You're going to do it. You're going to grit your lip. Your voice is going to get all shaky. Your lips going to get all tight. Your voice is going to have a little vibrato. But similar to having a speech in front of a class or a speech in front of a group of people, once you're done, you feel fantastic. And that's what you want to think about before you have the conversation. Focus on the end game rather than the actual conversation. You're going to feel fantastic after you have that conversation. So I hope that helps. Um, I think that's good. You know, we're about 26 minutes in here. So yeah, we'll call that good. Please submit more questions if you have anything more about toxic relationships. My, um, you know, I have, I have a wonderful family, so I don't really have family that's toxic. Mine is more, I've had friends and um, significant others that were toxic. So if you have more questions along those lines, I can help you out. Um, the family thing is probably something you're going to want to look up in, on Google, or I can try to point you in a direction, maybe healingwell.com on their anxiety forum. We'll talk about family members. Um, but that for me, that's uh, that's about what I know in, the, in those aspects. But um, if you're tuning in, uh, please go to iTunes, give the show a rating, give it a review. It's really going to help people find this important information. Um, from what, like I said in the beginning, the, the community of people with anxiety is very, very large. I think we're already over 200 downloads for the show. 
and we're only on episode five. Um, by the time you guys listen to this, actually, episode four with uh, Swedberg will have posted. So it's going to probably be in about 250. We're averaging about 50 downloads per episode, which is stinking amazing. I can't believe it. I had, <laughs> I was just talking to my older brother about it, and I just shrugged my shoulders. I'm like, all right, I guess people want to hear about this information. So please submit questions on the anxietywad.com on the question form. They're anonymous. Uh, I won't share your information if you don't want me to, but it really helps me keep the show going. If you want me to clarify anything, uh, please do so. Also, uh, the exit wad. Let's do that, dudes. So this time, uh, I think the last time it was the Claire Weeks book, uh, Hope and Help for Your Nerves, and it sounds like a couple of you have ordered that. Can't wait for you to read it. It's going to be a game changer, guys. Um, this is the stuff that worked for me, so that's why I'm suggesting it. It, it works if you work it, so please give it a shot. Today, we're going to do the ice bath. So I want you to try one. Um, you don't have to just take an ice cold shower where the water takes your breath away. Do it at the end of your regular shower. Just turn it over to the blue and try it for like a minute or two minutes and just enjoy it. Um, what this, what it's going to do is it's going to help with your the synapses in your nerves. And those are just the connections between your nerves. It's going to help boost your cognitive function from, you know, like anything that you have degenerative in your brain. Uh, and sometimes anxiety can cause some of those things in your brain. Um, there's other benefits to that, you know, I could go into here, like weight loss, inflammation. Now I've talked about gut health. It's not my expertise, but inflammation is something that I know a lot about. Someone with uh, chronic pain, someone with um, arthritis inflammation it's going to re reduce that by affecting the cytokine production which may be good for inflammation inflammatory disease autoimmune conditions and vasoconstriction of blood vessels as you can tell i'm reading this off something which apparently i'm not very good at but may, may not be good for athletes recovering intense exercise so it's kind of counterintuitive to what you may have heard in the past like take an ice baths right after exercise Especially if you're a performance athlete, you kind of want to stay away from doing those immediately after exercising. It's going to take away some of that stuff that you've uh, conditioned your body to do. Immunity. It boosts your immune system, which is surprising because, you know, as a kid, I'm sure all of you heard to put a hat on when you go outside so you don't catch your death, as they would say. But it helps your immune system, helps build that up. And the next one is the biggest one for me. It helps with mood. It like boosts the feel-good hormones like dopamine, uh, norepinephrine. And so it may help. Like if you're in a depressive state, I usually do it um, probably about a half an hour after I work out before I leave for work. And I always feel really good after I do it. And that's just how I enjoy the benefits. But it's also for the anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, a stress response. Cold exposure creates a positive stress response in the body. And if you're someone with anxiety... That stress, stress response is pretty taxed because you're in a constant state of being stressed out. So cold showers are going to help with that. So those are some of the benefits. I just want you to try it. Um, if you have access to a cold tub, try to do it just five minutes to start out. Um, the colder you get, the less time you want to spend in it. And so anywhere from, I think it's like 30 to 40, you want five minutes and under. 40 to 50, 5 to 10, uh, 50 to 60, 10 to 20. I believe that is correct, but again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm just some dude with a microphone talking in his room. So <laughs> make sure you check that out before you start doing your cold exposure. But it's it's pretty cool to try out. 
just flip the shower to cold, try it for a minute or two and see what you think, or just dunk into a cold tank for about five minutes. Focus on your breath. That's, that's the main aspect of this that you want to do is you can either do box breathing or just do nice big inhales and exhales. As you inhale, you want your belly button to go out. And as you exhale, about like that. So that's probably pretty creepy on the microphone, so I'm sorry. So check it out. Uh, give it a shot. Let me know what you think. And then real quick before we go here, uh, next episode, I'm going to try to get my wife Lauren on here to uh, discuss what it's living, what it's like living with someone with anxiety, um, what she's found that has helped over the years, some of the tools she's used, and then what she's learned about kids and anxiety. And again, and my son is someone that deals with it. Um, actually doing real good this week. So um, she's going to come on here and try to try to help us out. So like, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, pass it on to your friends. Have a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Don't beat yourself up. We're going to figure this out. See you!